This is a Glass Box Media Podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. And welcome to the Blank Podcast, a podcast where we talk to well-known guests about their lives, their careers, and navigating those difficult moments along the way. I'm Charles Perry Phillips, and a very, <laughs> very tired and sleepy co-host, Jim Daly. Was good timing, really. wasn't it? Yeah, it was, yeah. <laughs> I can see, the problem with doing Zoom pods is you can see yourself in the camera. Yes. And I look like a shell of a man. Oh, I mate, you've had a I few, good. you've had a few difficult evenings with your your young kiddos kiddos yeah. uh, sounds like a character from a pixar movie yes also the angle of my laptop because i'm not in the cabin which is why my audio is slightly different I, this angle gives me at least two if not three chins now nah, depending on it's just there's a lot of chins going on there wow i think you're doing yourself a disservice You've got you've got a good angle. Yours is a higher angle. Well, I've got a microphone in, in in the way as well. <laughs> that's also, that's the way to do it. <laughs> Maybe I should hold my phone to hold my phone here. Yeah, that's face. much better. Much better. <laughs> anyway, how are you doing? You're just turning yourself air, and I, I've made us start recording about your 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 cheesy weekend. Yeah. Well, yeah. So, um, friend of the pod and one of my best friends, Sophie Green, uh, came over on Friday to watch a movie, and I. Last time she came over, I cooked her these roasted camemberts. And she, so I said, well, should I do it again? You know, because um, I don't know if she'll listen to this, but I, I did make her, um, I made I made her, um, uh, oh, fucking hell, what's that Spanish dish? Paella. Paella. Thank you. Jim. That's literally the only Spanish dish I can think of. I know. Of. I made this paella and it wasn't my best paella effort. It wasn't quite, it was a little bit, I think I overcooked the rice a little bit. So it wasn't my best. So I was a bit disappointed with Welcome that. Welcome to middle class cooking. Yeah. <laughs> and then, so I thought I'll go back to a trusted friend in the roasted caramel. Yeah. So we, so I, I should caveat this with the fact that um, when I did my online shop this week, uh, which is also a very middle class thing to do, uh, I, uh, I ordered two caramel because I thought, well, you know, 
we'll, we'll probably get through a couple of those. And um, I was getting them out of the the bags, and um, I'd ordered, I'd, I'd over ordered, I got a third one. And I thought, oh, and you thought, thought, no oh. problem here. I'll polish yeah. this one off as well. Somehow. Yeah, no, no problem. Then when I got to the last bag, um, the last, literally the last item I pulled out was a fourth camembert. <laughs> And you thought I can and bear this? I cannot. I can and bear this situation. I actually took one of the camemberts wow. to the coffee shop in the morning and gave one away because I was like, oh, because unfortunately, camembert is quite a potent cheese and it um, is rather honky. <laughs> Your be stinking, mate. It fucking but reeked. <laughs> can I like without taking away any of your cooking abilities? And I know that you are a very good in the kitchen when it comes to that but baked camembert surely mm. is just you put camembert in the oven for an hour i can't imagine there's much more to it well, even i could do that well i do add some garlic and rosemary to it so okay. nice. and you've got to get the timings right i mean you can like you can ruin it or you can under Burn you, know, you, can, under, you yeah. can underplay it or you can what, have it, what how long is a good about 20 minutes know, what temperature about 20 minutes what temperature we're talking? about 180 in a fan oven. We really have to. Stop <laughs> at this point. This anyway, this isn't the end of the story. So, so we had that, and I. So there was a lot of cheese, right? A lot of cheese on a Friday night, and I ate quite a lot of chocolate as well. I ate lots of so lots of dairy. Anyway, the following evening, <laughs> Shell's my wife Michelle's got some friends over, and I was so I said, well, look, because I've been telling for ages to have some some mates over for, for food. I'll look after you. I'll I'll sort out like drinks and i'll be like a waiter i even put a shirt and tie on and i had Lovely. like yeah yeah i thought i put you know put all the things so i invited them in i took their coats and and their bags and i um i, I poured them all a glass of wine and you know we set it all up and i helped shell set up the table and blah 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 anyway i got chat so i was thinking i'll just you are it. such a good husband you're like the immaculate i'd be like in the cabin playing mega drive i wouldn't be anywhere <laughs> near any of it Where's well, Jim? Oh, he's playing Sonic again. <laughs> well, I thought you know I wanted to treat I wanted to treat you to like you know. It's nice, the, really nice. Well, yeah. So we um anyway, cut long story short. I thought I wasn't gonna I was gonna eat some dinner and I was gonna go and leave them to it kind of thing like let them have an evening and they can have some like some female chat. Anyway, I ended up chatting to the get to these t- to the two two what guests. Female chat. Well, I don't know. I don't even want to ask. Stagging off their husbands, maybe. I don't know. Um, <laughs> not you, though. <laughs> not me. He's great. Um, All the other women would be like, "Why isn't my husband like Giles greeting people with a glass of wine at the door?" <laughs> uh, anyway, um, we got talking and stuff, and then by the time I was going about to go, Shell said, I've, "I've laid you a plate. I've laid you a place at the table." So I ended up staying. And helping them eat, and we, uh, mate, this it was like fondue we had. So fondue. So this is like, a, I mean, it was unbelievable. There was there was over. I mean, I think if we work out the cheese weight weightage, it was probably about eight hundred grams of cheese was melted with white wine and this a proper old school seventies fondue set which Michelle found in the charity shop. Fantastic. Amazing. And we had we literally we were dipping everything in it. I mean, there was like nothing, nothing in nothing in our cupboards or fridge was <laughs> was allowed to survive without having cheese put all over it. And then uh, we didn't go to bed that late. It was about about midnight, I suppose. Honestly, I I couldn't wake up this morning. I felt like I was in some sort of cheese coma. I like mm. I didn't get I couldn't get out of bed. 
And then all day I've been wandering around in this sort of weird cheese haze. It's a thing, isn't it? I do think that is a thing. I mean, it's probably just complete dairy overload. Yeah. But I I have heard about sort of cheese days, cheese days. Yeah. Mm. So, but I'm not surprised the amount of cheese you've had. Well, so much cheese. And then I was on the sofa just before dinner. Bearing in mind we had lasagna, which had loads of cheese in it as well. <laughs> um, I, th- I think I was hallucinating because <laughs> there was all sorts of weird stuff going on in the room, which I'm sure wasn't happening. So I think right. it's also led to psychosis now. Right. And probably some weird dreams tonight, I'd imagine. Yeah. Well, I think that maybe, maybe that's it because they say bad cheese having weird dreams. So I think I was yeah. possibly drifting off to sleep on the sofa. Yeah. Columbo was on. He was doing all sorts of shit. <laughs> what he does anyway. To yeah, yeah. It's on brand for him. Yeah, but I mean, he wasn't just smoking his regular cigars. He was he was tripping his nuts off. <laughs> so are you having a break from cheese then? I need yeah, to have a sure break from cheese. No more cheese yeah. today. I mean, uh, or, or probably the rest of the week or month. Probably even. a good idea. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so that's fascinating. Eight minutes of uh, interesting stuff. I've been trying to think of a cheese segue into our guest. I can't think of one. I, I don't know how we can go from that story into so this week's guest. Yeah, yeah I know. There's nothing cheesy about him. No, there really isn't. No. Probably one of the coolest guys we've ever had on the podcast. <laughs> but um, thank you for sharing that. Do you? How do you? Do you feel lighter? Probably not actually with all that cheese. No, I feel I feel about three stone heavier. Uh... <laughs> I do like cheese though. I, I, oh. Well, it does make things better. I think it makes the so world nice. better. It does. It's so nice. Now, interestingly, Jim, because so nice. I'm going to ask you, because obviously you're vegetarian, and I would say maybe, are you borderline vegan these days? We are vegetarian, and I'd say we we eat we end up eating probably about 50% mm. of our meals are vegan, just by sort of default. Yeah. Really. So what about cheese, though? Because obviously, yeah. We, I do like cheese. Mm. I, I would struggle. I will say, I think vegan cheeses have got a lot better in the last few years. Yeah. I did try and being vegan for about six weeks in 2015. <laughs> and it was really hard. Yeah, there was, it is it hard. Was actually wasn't, and that's only eight years ago. There wasn't a lot of options. And I, mm. I tried to make a toasted cheese sandwich with vegan cheese and I nearly burnt the house down. It was, it did not melt. It was like plastic. Yeah, that's But I would thing. imagine, I think now the options are a lot better. So, um, yeah, I think it's, it's doable. Maybe I should... I reckon, give me another five years, I think I'll be more than 50%. I think I'll be closer to that. Interesting. Okay, yeah, that's interesting. Vegan. But I think actually, the, I think people in general, will. I think the, the country will. Yeah. There's loads of people are now switching off to a more vegan, plant-based lifestyle because the options are so good. And I think they'll only be better. Um, I, I'm, I'm asking like a politician, aren't I? Sorry, that's you very are. serious you answer. Are. But, um, uh, we should probably yeah, talk about our brilliant guest this week. Yeah, go on. Again, terrible. No segue, possibly. Yeah, I know, I know. Really. Um. Well, we had Andrew Gower on, who's an amazing actor and musician as yes. well. He's like plays. He's been playing in bands for years, and obviously he's got a, a band now that he plays in. And uh, he's been in all sorts of great shows like Outlander, uh, Carnival Row, and I mean, I'm sure he's popped up in lots of different things. But yeah, what a great chat it well, was! Another show that I slagged off after the pod. <laughs> <laughs> You gotta be careful what you Which say. Which everyone's feeding. <laughs> um, what a guy! Mm. Massive track record. Just a lovely guy to talk to. Some really nice stuff. I mean, you know, when we get these guests come on, they're all so good at sort of segueing into 
life lessons and mm. stuff and he was just absolutely brilliant but also i'd say about 40 percent of the podcast is football maybe maybe, maybe not that 30 percent and mm. i loved it yeah 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 yeah, <laughs> I yeah. i even managed and our regular listeners will know of course how much i try and crave our football in football life analogies and comparisons with acting and andrew agreed yeah so it's not even like i it wasn't even crowbar this week it was just like seamlessly seamlessly linked in so this 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 this, this week ticked up so many boxes well yeah if me. you like acting, and i had to cut it early and you like football <laughs> yeah. yeah and you had to go off early didn't you because you had some work to i know do. so i apologize now to our listeners and to andrew but i had to i had a work meeting to sort of go to but um we could have chatted to him oh for ages for hours we filled up the time of all my cheese talk anyway. We're going to hit the hour mark, aren't we? That's, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's, that's oh, man, what a go- we should probably go into it because I think as, as an intro, that's probably um, quite long. We've, we've, we've been a bit unfair to Andrew there, not really picked him up enough because we've spoken too much about cheese. But I would say he doesn't need it really because I think he... Uh, he he's this is a this is... I was about to say he bigs himself up. That sounds... That's wrong. But uh, he's... His genius talks to himself. Yeah. What am I talking about? I, I feel sleep deprived. I, I'm talking rubbish. You're, you've got a cheese coma. I've had no sleep last few days. What is this intro, Andrew? I'm so sorry. But what I was going to say was before we go into the podcast, there were so many. I've, I've often write notes down when we're talking, but there was loads and loads that because we do our little audiograms that would go out on social media. But there was loads of Andrew. So it's a real treat, this podcast, this episode, because there's loads of little takeaways that uh, I think everyone will resonate with. Definitely. I think we should just introduce him. So if it's okay with you, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do the honours. Uh, okay, I thought that's a yes. Uh, this is um, the one and only. Andrew. <laughs> sorry, Andrew. This is appalling, isn't it? I'm so sorry. Let me start again. <clears throat> this is, and leave this bit in. This is, because everyone loves the... <laughs> Anyway, they love the fuck ups. Sorry, I think Andrew would actually. He's, he's, he, I think he'd love this. Anyway, it, by this point, he's just fast forwarded it. <laughs> Everyone has. This is the one and only Andrew Gower on the Blank Podcast. So uh, they seem to be leaning towards Mr. Sean Dyche. Well, this is yes. what I thought would happen, to be honest. <laughs> a safe, a safe pair of hands. The new, the new, the new Sam Allardyce. <laughs> you big Sam. And honest, honestly, to think in two years Everton have gone from Carlo Ancelotti. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that's interesting because I was going to ask you because obviously you're from Merseyside. What side of the of the divide you would be on so you're blue my family's my family's two on two so my dad's a red my eldest brother is a blue my middle brother's a red and i'm a blue and my poor mother just kind of terrorized on derby days yeah (laughs) how did that happen then how did how did how because surely your dad would have been disappointed yeah Yeah. very well put he was disappointed and still is uh yeah um my my eldest brother basically he's he's 10 years older than me in my family predominantly my 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 extended family it's blue it's all blue 
um my dad is my dad's a rarity in my in my extended family so my so yeah it was basically me with my elder brother just idolizing him being 10 years older you know hearing about kevin sheedy and kevin ratcliffe and you know the everton of the 80s little did i know that (laughs) that was that was shortly that was it (laughs) i'll never experience you know apart from apart from pre-season cups and um and, and Paul Rideout, the memory of Paul Rideout on 95, that's it. And I was too young. Daniel Amakachi. Daniel Amakachi, yeah. What a performance at Tottenham Hotspur, yeah. So you're talking to two, two Crystal Palace fans who, yeah. who, who, who ironically's only cup success was against Everton in the Zenith Data Systems. <laughs> the one they all wanted. <laughs> the one that I think probably stopped occurring after that win <laughs> they all wanted everybody wanted it everybody wanted it oh this is lovely because um uh, obviously the people that listen to this every week this podcast will know that jim is uh, always trying to segue in uh, football <laughs> references uh because he does yeah. a football podcast so this is nice that we've started early doors on the football chat um yeah. so yeah did, have were you able to go to games when you were were younger i was yeah so um my mum's husband is an Evertonian um, and he had he had season tickets um, so yeah when my mum and dad separated one of the things that I asked for was a was a stepfather who supported Everton. <laughs> <laughs> no that that was not that was just a chance that was just a chance but a great um, yeah great that he had a season ticket in Lower Bowens and basically nice way to get to know him um, under the Moyes era uh, which was actually looking back a cracking, you know, a cracking was, era for everything. Yeah, great time. Eleven years of him as manager. So we were, yeah, every other, every other Saturday or Sunday or midweek in 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 Europe. We used to play in Europe. Uh, <laughs> I, was watching, I was watching Everton with him. Um, yeah, from behind the. I don't know. Have you been? Have you guys been to Goodison Park? I haven't. Have you, you, Jim? Been a few times. It's a great. I was just about to say it's a great ground. I mean, yeah. there aren't many sort of decent grounds left in the Premier League, but it's definitely up there. Although obviously it's not not around for too much longer. No, which is we might have the best uh, the best stadium in the Championship. <laughs> <laughs> um, That's looking yeah. up. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Um, yeah, the um, the 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 part of the stadium I used to sit in was with the obstructive views i think we got cheaper tickets but um <laughs> that's what i'm at at Stellist, i got a season ticket and inc- i didn't realize it was i must be paying less than other people it doesn't feel like it but amazingly my seat you've got a restricted view for both goals <laughs> i got pulled in the way for the homestead goal and actually if i look left i only realized the other day i have to like go around the corner for the pole for the white horse today. so but to be honest in the, for the last how long i've had it 10 15 years a lot of that time was great because i didn't want to watch the action on the pitch anyway so <laughs> exactly yeah, yeah. Well, so, we have very similar views very similar views very yeah well i hope you so, are i like everton i hope yeah. everton stay i mean i like them i, I think they're more successful than Palace traditionally, but I think in terms of fan base and culture and everything, really, I think we're very similar clubs. I totally agree. And, and, you know, and I always remember Palace from memories of stealing Andy Johnson off you guys. <laughs> and, but always a great fixture. I, 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 make a, I make a point when I'm in, now I live in London to go to a lot of the away fixtures. So I've been to Palace Selhurst Park and again just a 
a similar vibe to the to the stadium and you know the yeah. fans and um it always says a lot you know with and and i love non-league football as well but it always says a lot with fans that haven't I, I quite like talking to fans of football teams who haven't experienced success mm. as, yeah. as as the as the other teams we don't like to speak of. But um yeah, that that palace really strikes me as that type of club. Oh yeah, oh, it's, defi- yeah. it's definitely one you can talk to about <laughs> not having any success. <laughs> <laughs> I've supported them for thirty years, and I don't think I've seen us win anything. No, in fact, we haven't. We haven't won it. Closest we come is the cup. Well, final I, I, I do remember the Zenith Data Systems and and two FA Cup. It's obviously two FA Cup finals. But um, anyway, yeah. uh, <laughs> let's talk about your. Let's talk about you, Andrew, and let's talk about your your life in acting. And and am I right in thinking that you know you started acting at a fairly young age? I mean secondary school sort of era was that sort of time where you sort of started getting into acting yeah it was the it was the kind of deluded deluded end to a to a football the football dreams I always call myself we've all had that (laughs) and then and then um always knowing that I kind of didn't want to go and I I did my a-levels etc but I didn't want to go and study um something academic at university and and, and impulsively stumbled across drama school um, at quite a young age, having having done just a couple of school plays, not really understanding the whole system of drama school, and then yeah, and impulsively kind of using the. Do you ever, did you guys ever have the EMA EMA uh, um, when you were at college? It's like an education maintenance allowance, which Tony Blair, God God bless Tony Blair, bringing in one good thing for um, me as a college student. I used the EMA money to secretly apply for drama school, and it was like thirty two pound a week. And to get into drama school is, you know, it's expensive just yeah. for the audition, and never mind to come uh, come down to London. So I used the EMA award 32 pound a week to pay for my auditions and um and yeah and and kind of stumbled into drama school on a three-year course and didn't realize i got i I got the buzz of acting at school but i didn't realize the sort of um the rabbit hole so to speak of actually what what that involves and what a sonnet is and what you actually end up doing at drama school so it was yeah I, i i enjoyed a couple of school plays but then that impulse to go to drama school kind of took me by surprise. And am I right in thinking like um, that you were into Amdram as well? Did you do Amdram? I did. I did. uh, Yeah. So, so in the one year I played Fagan at school, I I did uh, one play with an amateur dramatic society. And then I was in, I was, I was basically at at drama school that year at like 17, 18. Yeah. Yeah, because that's interesting. Because I always think um, <clears throat> Amdram's kind of like it's all you know. There's that small town kind of thing, and and it obviously it, there's a like this. It can be kind of ridiculed a little bit, but actually, it's it's quite a good sort of learning curve doing stuff like that. I think it is. Yeah, we 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 performed um, with Guys and Dolls at the uh, at the Centenary. Um, it was a Centenary Theatre Company. We performed at the Brinley Theatre in Roncorn. So in those years, I was living in Warrington. Um, and, and it was, yeah, it was, I was like, I think, I think I had youth on my side because actually (laughs) the majority of people in the centenary theater company were, were 50 plus. Um, 
which I, I don't know whether that's a norm with amateur dramatic societies, but yeah, it was, but it was a beautiful, you know, we'd have tea and biscuits yeah. halfway through rehearsals and, you know, these six um, old ladies would measure me for my costume. <laughs> and they were the first and only people to ever say I'm six foot. I'm actually 5'11", but I still hold on <laughs> to being six foot. Uh, I, I don't think they could measure me properly. But it, yeah, it was, a, it was an amazing, um, amazing time to kind of, you know, just perform in a proper theatre, and and every I think we did it for five evenings, and every evening go to go to the theatre, and yeah, and just hang out with older older people and hear their hear their stories of life and complaining about working for the NHS or whoever they work. <laughs> yeah, for yeah, yeah. I've got two questions off the back of that. Like, firstly, one about sort of the idea of sort of turning a love or a hobby or something like that into a job, and the changes that comes with but first of all i'm going to bring it back to football <laughs> sorry to do this very on brand for me but do you think i'm just as you were sort of talking there about getting into acting do you think <laughs> i think this is a completely biased question and, and i'm it's loads so loaded do you think if you support a, a football club <laughs> i was gonna say outside the top six but maybe any football club that maybe that gives you <sighs> The you know you know the passion like the, the every, everything that all those emotions that come out on match day. Do you think football fans are more in tune with their emotions that maybe make it applicable to be a performer? Do you know Do you know what I constantly? I'm so glad you went down this route because I constantly with a load of my pals who are actors who 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 support you know various football teams. I'm constantly making comparisons between between the two and, and whether that's whether that's specific actors and comparing them to specific football players you know you Phil Neville's I'm not going to tell you who I think is Phil Neville but um yeah anyway <laughs> tell us all that we constantly make and I yeah I agree it's a I, I also feel like having supported Everton has weirdly taught me the the sort of no success and and learning and and dealing with loss on a regular basis has actually taught me to deal with the audition process in a in a strange way. It has, it really has, and and yeah, the passion and and that was the same. The emotion I got from like football, a, a level I played at when I was playing for my county, playing in front of a small audience and feeling like in that moment that like the best games I played was almost where I was I was imagining I was on the field with my mates back again and and actually the playing element and the worst games I played was where I was very conscious of who was maybe in the stand or who was watching me on that and and that again I compare to the best footballers we we see the Messies um you know and and some of the young kids who come in before they become aware of the press and etc are, are still on the field I remember watching Rooney for the first time he was literally playing football as though he was in the park yeah. with his mates and I think and that does equate to acting. I think if we if we do lose the element of play within what we do and it becomes too serious, we become quite stiff and, and aware of the audience. And um, yeah, that's that is I'm glad you I'm glad we delve down the football acting comparison because I'm constantly, constantly making it. God, you're the, you're the perfect guest for this podcast. <laughs> Can we get that in writing? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it's recorded now. I, I, I complete, completely agree. And um, I'm also wondering something about 
it's funny you say about sort of playing at a decent level and not the the pressure of who's watching and stuff. I wonder if maybe because because football is performance, isn't mm. it? Really, I mean, yes, it's a sort of sport and it's like active and stuff, but it is a performance. You are performing for a crowd. Well, you're I, trying to do your best. I was going to say you and, could and, also and, argue that it's entertainment. Yeah, well, it is, and mm. you're like in, everyone's in everyone's in that shared moment together in the same way that you know a theatre audience might be, and nothing beats live entertainment and everyone feeling the same way. And I guess that's obviously in football, you've got two sides, I guess. Well, I guess I guess in theatre you do as well, and good and evil. So I don't know, and also I'm wondering about the, the pressure, because obviously live, you know, performance is a pressure, TV and theatre and stuff, but I wonder if also maybe playing at a decent football level helps you, I guess, channel that in a way? Mm. Def- yeah, definitely learn from mistakes as well, mm. you know? Um, that the, the, as, I, as I touched on that, kind of like, the worst games I played. Why was it the worst game? And I still do that with acting, you know, finishing a job that I think and starting a new job is always, is always the most important thing for me because I think it's so important to learn from failure of jobs or not failure or, or things you just want to do better or mm. things you want to do differently. And that was always me at a football game. And my, you know, bless my dad, he always used to write little notes next to my like shin pads and boots. He never let me clean my boots, my dad, and we still argue about that. He never, he never let me clean my boots, which I I wanted to do. You could have clean boots. Yeah, yeah, you have got to have. But and my dad wanted to, but he wanted to clean them himself. I don't oh know why. wow! Oh, I love that. Yeah, he never let me clean my boots. It was like a sort of um, weird uh, superstition he had. Anyway, mm. it didn't, didn't help much, but. Um, <laughs> He'd leave notes next to my boots and my shin pads on a Saturday morning um, and kind of tell me, you know, which which was kind of like to learn from the last game or whatever or things to do. And that has been carried through into, for me, into, into, into acting. When I finish a job and start a new job, there's always that thing in the job that I want maybe to try out or, or to learn from from last time. And that, you know, I like to think maybe that's, that's how the best football is kind of go into games maybe I don't know but that's that's uh, something I took from football well continuing the, the the football theme are you one for doing like a post-match analysis on after a project do you do you sit do you reflect on what well I was thinking like you know because we do that in conversations and stuff I'm terrible for like having like thinking about conversations I've had and did I say the right thing or whatever but I wonder, like, when you finish a job, do you do you reflect on it, or are you just kind of thinking, "I'll just go straight into the next one, and we'll see how it goes." It's it's there's a, there's always a train journey or a plane journey where I, I I'm I'm quite one for note notepads, and my missus complains about that they're all around the house. Yeah. Um, but th- th- there's definitely me in a notepad on a train or a plane home um, where I just take a few minutes and write a few things down. Um, yeah, there's that, but it's not, it's, it's no, it's no Monday night football with, Harry, <laughs> Harry Neville. it's not, it's not that we don't need Jeff Stelling in, involved. <laughs> um, he just wasn't focused, Gary. He just wasn't focused <laughs> on that job. This is Manchester United. <laughs> I love that so much. <laughs> oh, it's great. It's great. Um, yeah, I'm sorry to keep doing. The, I'm sorry to drag in football. I, th- I genuinely think there's so there's just so much similarity between really? between two. There's definitely a sketch, isn't there, in like um, an actor sort of post post job press conference, 
isn't it? Like an actor after a gig or something. That, that is a very yeah. I'd 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 uh, I'd pay to watch that sketch definitely. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I'll work on it. I'll, I'll work on it. I've ruined it somehow. Don't worry. <laughs> But I was going, so going back to like drama school and going to drama school and um, it, I mean, we talked to a few actors about drama school and how, you know, it's, it can be sometimes a baptism of fire. And also maybe you don't always get the necessary kind of information about things like rejection and, and dealing with, you know, auditions process. I mean, maybe the practical and the logistics of the audition process, but maybe not like kind of the the dealing with the kind of, uh, yeah, the rejection side of stuff. Did you find that um, when you were at drama school that any of those kind of things were addressed particularly? Um, there's two, I guess, two things to that. The big, the biggest thing that happened to me at drama school, and it, with it being quite impulsive, was was that I ended up going into the first year um, without a Dada award, which is like a dance and drama award. Okay. So I didn't have one. And, and myself and my mom, because my you know my dad was quite adamant that I went to do a history degree at Edinburgh University. <laughs> adamant about that. So when I when I got into drama school, he was baffled by it, as were a lot of my family, um, asking why am I not you know maybe going to teach drama or or something. So um so I because it was quite impulsive and, and I applied kind of last minute and the one I got into Oxford School of Drama, um I didn't. I didn't get a dance and drama award. So my first year, I actually thought was going to be my last year because I didn't think I was actually going to finish it. And it, and, it, and it was quite, it was a hard year. I, I, I'm not going to lie. It was a hard year because, because of that. And because I didn't, I didn't kind of grasp the, the, um, you know, the sort of Shakespeare language world straight away. I didn't know what a sonnet was. I, I you know, I, I wasn't quite averse with, with a lot of the people in my class, there was 14 of us. A lot of people were quite older than me. But at that year, actually looking back and, and some of the things that happened that year was the, was, the, was the biggest kind of baptism of fire to deal with failure and to sort of, you know, confront whether I actually want to do it. And, um, and yeah, and then I just ended up, there was, a, there was a barbecue in our school. Our school was quite small, run by a guy called George Peck. Um, and and he knew that I didn't have a dance and drama award and that I was potentially not going to come back in the second year. And this amazing guy called Ian Persglove came in who um, was in charge of kind of handing out dance and drama awards. And I was quite, um, quite quiet for the whole hour of the barbecue until the very end, Ian Persglove, meant, he just mentioned the EMA award, the Education Maintenance Allowance. And he was like, is anybody in this in this crowd used and there was about 20 of us and I put my hand up and I said yeah that's how I got into drama school and then he came to watch our end of year play and then he was the person responsible to getting my dance and drama award and for, for finishing finishing the end of drama school and kind of going on from that feeling of you know it could end very quickly and um and I'm out of my depth to to really yeah kind of feeling like I'm properly training. Um, and then I guess the second thing with that was my principal himself, George Peck, kind of epitomized, I think, the the injustice of the industry in okay. whether he was doing it consciously or not. He was he was just he basically had a way he wanted people to act and 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 a and a style of acting that he liked. 
And it was almost like you either fitted that or not. And I feel like that's a reflection of any room you go into. You can automatically, you know, strike a connection up with somebody. And talent, I think, is, it, you know, and, and having that talent is, is a byproduct of that room. But ultimately, it's that, it's that connection and actually making somebody else want to work with you is kind of what George Peck was like. I was never really his favorite person, but I think I understood working with him that actually maybe I might be so-and-so's director or casting director or even agent or whatever it is that they might see something in me. And I think I, think I understood that quite quickly at drama school that you're never, you're never gonna be everybody's cup of tea and certain things aren't really gonna strike with other people, but it is, you offer up suggestions as a character and some people take it and some people don't. And, and George really epitomized that for me at drama school as a principal, amazing principal, great, very inspirational, but it was this sort of his person that, that provided the injustice that I then needed after drama school to, to go into the industry. I think, I mean, that comes up a lot, I think on the pod, um, you know, you can only really be yourself, can't you? And put yourself out there and whatever line of work you're in there'll be people that get that and people that don't and that's but it's hard it's you know we all want to be liked and want to be loved and appreciated and it's hard when and you can feel it sometimes can't you in your bones when you're not clicking with someone whether it's in an audition room or, or in an office whatever you can sort of just feel it when it doesn't feel right and it's it's a horrible feeling but I think you know it's it's just it's just part of life you're never going to be everyone's cup of tea as you said which is you know such a prescient kind of saying and I think it's okay just to kind of accept that and roll with that. And maybe if you, once you do that, then you can maybe just kind of progress a bit more. I'm going to quote RuPaul again, which I do most pods, you know, if you can, if you, but Mama Ru is never wrong. If you can't love yourself, how the hell are you going to love somebody else? I just think that's, that's just never not spot on. It's true. It's very true. Yeah. Very, very true. There you go. <laughs> and that's me done. Well, it's been great. See ya. <laughs> I love myself so much. I'm going to go and make myself a ham sandwich. Yeah. We've peaked too early. This is the problem. That was that was a, that was an end pod ending, wasn't it? Really. Yeah, I've it peaked was a little 25 bit. minutes in. I peaked too early. <laughs> but I, I I agree with the sense that I mean, you know, you do go. You need to you need to think about ultimately. You want to as an as a as an artist, you want to find your tribe just as much as you want. You know. I know you want people to like you and you want to be sort of um what's the word you know castable on a on a world basis or, or throughout the world but ultimately it's i find it now in what i'm doing it's and i kind of had that in the back of my head when i left drama school but it's even more predominant now that i you know i want to i want to find my tribe i want to find who the people who i want to work with and sometimes if you do enter that room to think okay yeah you are obviously auditioning me but also there is a point where I'm thinking you know do I want to work with you as well because yeah. you know is that a relationship we're going to be vulnerable you're going to want me to um you know play a character in and be and be open and, and it could be for six months it could be for a year so do I do I want to give everything to that project with with that person at the helm and yeah and sometimes it's a good little headspace to have that as an actor, you know, is this, is this person, 
you know, are they part of my tribe? As Ben Kingsley, Ben Kingsley calls it, he calls acting like tribal and about yeah. calls it like hunting. But it's like, do you want, do you want to be part of that tribe? Yeah, totally. Yeah, and I think yeah, go on, Jim. No, you go, you go. No, I was going to say no. I, I, I totally agree, and I, I guess we're all kind of seeking that, and and we've sort of talked. I suppose we touched slightly on validation, but I think you're right. I think it's it's important to know that. In, in most creative situations, if you're collaborating, yeah. it, it's got to be collaboration yeah. with the right people that are going to, yeah, yeah. going to lift you up and be there and support you as well, you know. And I can imagine, particularly like you say, when, when you're acting where you are vulnerable and you're taking down layers of your own personality to put in place another being's kind of personality as, as your character, um, and you are vulnerable and, and, and those, some I guess, also on a practical level you're you know you might be working long hours and stuff you do need the right people around you to support you and and get the best performance out of you as well i guess essentially i think that's the most exciting that's what i've that's what i've stumbled on in life is the most exciting thing to do with my my profession is is you know basically to get a call or roll over in bed and see that you've got an email of somebody you worked with four years ago and they want to work with you again. Mm. And you love that experience four years ago. That's the biggest compliment you can have as a, as, as a human and, um, and as I think, you know, an actor as well. Yeah. Cause it means you, you, did, you did a good job. You did a good job as you, they like you, they like your ability and ticking all those boxes. I did have another question from earlier and I just remembered it. Um, just saw how I do this podcast, forget questions and then remember them random times. Um, how, was there, with the training and stuff, was there a moment, I know you said the first year was a bit eye-opening, where you thought, I can't do this, like, this, is, this is too much for me, I, I can't do this. And conversely then, was there a moment, maybe later on, maybe in the same year, or later on down the road in your career, where you were like, I'm, I'm fucking smashing this. I'm at, this is what I'm meant to do and I'm really good at this. Uh Definitely, definitely several moments of the, of the first, of the former. Um, yeah, there was, a, there was a sort of, we had a, we had a small theatre within the school with a um, large toilet, which you could lock. And I definitely remember we were doing Time in the Conways, J.B. Priestley, and I was the only person playing the character all the way through. So we, I had to play him at several ages. And I just, I just remember being amongst people who, I think the next person to me was like three years older and a lot of them had done NYT and um, and had, had a lot of experience kind of being natural, I'd say, on, on stage. And I just remember having a sort of moment where I was like, I was on stage and I just felt very vulnerable, you know, like didn't know what to do with my hands, as bloody, what's her name would say, Nina from the, the Seagull, I didn't know what to do with my hands and I was literally like, oh God. I went in the toilet and was just like, "Shit, I can't, I can't do this." And then the moment of the, the moment of the, um, the the latter question um, came quite instantly after. It was like a week later when we had our first dress run through, and I don't know. I I always I I think those moments. That's why I always think those moments are really interlinked. Like success and failure is is, I think it fascinates me. It really yeah. does fascinate me, and I think, and and my history, my history teacher at school, um, when I when I got into drama school, actually said, and I, I say this quite a lot. He said, Andrew, good luck at uh, drama school. I hope you succeed. But then again, who is seed? 
And I was like, what the hell does that mean? Succeed. <laughs> playing on the word succeed. He was playing, <laughs> succeed. I hope you succeed. But then again, too. But actually, uh, now I look back on that because he's a very wise guy. I look back on that, on that, on that uh, little message he left. And it is, he's basically saying to me that success doesn't exist. Success is, success is what we put on other people and what we say to other people. We say he's successful. She's successful. We never walk home and think, fuck, you know, I'm su-. You don't think you're successful. Success is a projection. And I think he was playing on that because we all feel like a failure. We all feel like a failure, but um, that's, yeah. So I, I think my, my wise history teacher put it on that, but that was, that was the moment I think was very quickly feeling like a failure and feeling like it's all falling apart. And then the week later after some mad dress rehearsal, which where I just decided to play, it all seemed to switch a little bit. That's, I mean, that's, that's, he really are the perfect guest for this podcast because that, that's just that's, I'm already writing that so I wrote true. that down all that stuff it's just thing. so true it's just so true it is complete projection and it's Ooh. so much easier to project it on other people than it is to yourself whereas there'll be countless other people looking at you through the same lens exactly saying they're doing this you know all this stuff and it's just that reflection is so hard to apply those rules that you do to other people and to yourself I don't know if it's it just human nature yeah, it's so it's so mad that we always just think we always just go. We're on to the next thing. We're moving on to the next thing. So you know, we and and that's natural because that's that's an animal instinct, isn't it? To just keep going, keep going. So we don't that that thing of success. We don't we don't bathe in success, do we? You know, we don't bathe unless in you're a narcissist. Bathe. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we won't talk about that. It's so true. It's so true. And also I was thinking like the framing of the word failure, because again, this is something we talk about a lot, but you know how we see failure in such a negative way. And actually, you know, all the failures often lead to growth in ourselves and also our careers and stuff. And actually out of every failure, we learn something big about the world or like I say about ourselves and how we need to kind of reframe how we see failure a little bit. Completely. Yeah, all, all the all those, you know, famous quotes like Beatles saying we work best with our backs against the wall, and Bowie saying you know about he works best when his feet aren't touching the ground and all that. But but it, they're they're all hinting at failure. They're all hinting at the nose and you know the Beatles. I I I was um, over Christmas again, just like bathing in uh, i shouldn't use the word bathing in but i was eating again get back the the oh the yeah doctor. fantastic yeah the breakfast and and dinner and, and and lunch and all that it's just you know i can't get enough of it and just watching them talk they're still going back they you can see within them they're still harboring on the nose and the people who sort of doubted them and and the the, the hamburg days when they were rejected and i think that sort of so refreshing to see stuff like that because the no's really do shape who we are not the yeses it's the no's that shape where we end up how we end up behaving and 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 almost how how you deal with those no's is those no's are they shape who we are as people don't they and and they kind of test your yourself as a human yeah and i think you're you you're often driving 
driving, not driving away from the no's. I think the no's drive you on more than the yeses. I don't know if it's a British thing where it's like you get a yes or, or a well done, you're like, oh, stop it. No, it's nothing. And then you get a no and you're like, fuck you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, like, to make yeah. this happen. Is, is that a British thing? I don't know. Or just human, again, human nature. Yeah, it is. It does sound equate to being very British, doesn't it? Yeah. That, um, Keep calm Beatles and carry on, doc. isn't it? Keep calm and carry on. Keep calm and carry on. That Beatles doc was it? The scene where Paul McCartney writes, "Is it get? Is it get back?" And he writes it in about three minutes. What's that? Say that again. Sorry. In in that Beatles documentary, there's a scene where Paul McCartney writes. He writes "Get Back," I think, or one of the songs, in about a minute or something. And you can he's just like playing around, and it you can hear it forming. It's amazing. It's insane. He he yeah he presents he presents "Get Back" in the room. And, and you know, came to me last night <laughs> and then he's playing the riff. But then also the, 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 the baffling thing of when, you know, I always think they're recording, let, they're recording Let It Be in the studio. Um, and it's the recording that we all hear and it's played in China and all around the world now and kids are singing. And on the, on the I always find this mad, like on the top of the piano is, is uh, Paul McCartney's like third glass of, Savion Blanc <laughs> and, and John Lennon is on the floor playing bass so playing live bass but he's he's miming and mocking for Paul McCartney whilst he's playing the bass and it, it, it's just mad that that's the version like yeah that's the dialogue that we we have listened to throughout our lives and that that moment he was you know three glasses into a into a bottle of Savion Blanc and John's on the floor taking the absolute piss out of him. <laughs> I love that song. Whereas now it would be like, there'd be like 20 passes at it and it would be mixed by someone and it wouldn't even sound like them. Exactly. Completely. completely. You'd have one of those auto-tuning things on, like Cher. <laughs> you had to let it be, auto-tunes. <laughs> auto-tune, let it be. Oh, <laughs> like Jason Derulo's thinking it instead. <laughs> Featuring Jason Derulo. <laughs> Let it be featuring Jason Derulo. Yeah, David Getter's done a remix. Yeah, somebody, somebody will Photoshop out the Savion Blanc and the cheese toast. Yeah. We can't have that. Yeah, other wine merchants are available. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's brilliant. It's so brilliant that that stuff was all captured as well, though. Just yeah. so good that we can now devour it and see. Because, I mean, because I know you play and you're in a band. Mm. Um, and uh, I mean, I've, I've been playing in bands for many, many years. And, I, and being in a studio is really, it's my favourite thing to do these days. Like, I, you know, live stuff's great and all, but, um, you know, you've got to lug amps around and stuff. But being in a studio, creating something is just my favourite thing. Oh, it's, my, it's, it's amazing. And that, that is exactly the joy for you get from the get back documentaries yeah. them leaving all the other because at that point they are you know the rumors are going around about them splitting the, the, the there's a divide within the camp and actually just when they get in that studio all that yeah there's a few things that happens within there but when they're just playing the music all the outside bullshit and all the all the nonsense of the press and stuff just disappears and they're just four mates again in a studio playing music and taking the mick out of their old music and, and reminiscing. And yeah, I totally, I couldn't agree with you more, Giles, like the, being in a studio. I've, I've only rediscovered that recently. 
Um, and I hadn't been in a studio since I was like 17, 18. So being back in was like the best three weeks I've had in my life. Being in that studio was recently was, yeah. So I completely agree with you. It's, it's amazing. Did you go in, did you have a, a bunch of material already written? Um, or did you do stuff, some, some writing in the studio as well? Um, predominantly. So, yeah. So, so I'd, I'd work with, uh, Craig Potter who, who from Elbow, um, on a little indie film. And then we presented some music to him, some tracks of ours, um, that he'd stumbled across on, on like online. And then we started making some home demos with him, which was really exciting. Like waking up at 1am and because Craig works quite, uh, quite late. Yeah, all he, sound engineers and producers yeah, do yeah, seem to do that. <laughs> Ridiculous. Ears are better. Yeah. Get rid of all the sound noise from outside. I've know. never met a sound engineer that's not like mixing something at like two in the morning. <laughs> it? It yeah. really, so I'd like roll out of bed and just be like really excited in the other room um, on this, on this our little Sonos speaker playing stuff really quietly and hearing it and whether we, whether we like it. So yeah, that was the process. We, we, came up with the four tracks for the EP with him, worked on the home demos. And then we had three weeks in Blueprint Studios in Manchester, which was just, again, just forgot about the outside world. And yeah, it's the best. just had fun, obsessing musicians coming in and um, choirs coming in. And yeah, just incredible, incredible. Yeah, there's, there's, I'm gonna... yeah there's nothing like it. Sorry. I, I, I'm desperate to get back in the studio with my band this, this year. We, we haven't done it for a couple of years. And... Um, I found some old pictures of us from the last time we were in there and uh, nice. just me, like me tracking like guitars and stuff. And it's just, I just love it. Like just love it so much. Just sitting yeah. there in the, in the, in the control room, tracking, tracking guitars for hours. Hours, <laughs> <laughs> the hours do just Oh man, totally. You lose yeah. day. Honestly. Yeah. They just go. You think, Oh, we've only been here for five minutes and you've been there for like 10 hours. <laughs> and you've done you've done i've only like done tracked two guitars or something ah oh, there's quite a few to go yet <laughs> <laughs> but there's definitely something in there about sort of being in the moment isn't there and i was going to bring it back to football again um but it you know like the world is full of madness and and we're all anxious people and there's all things in our minds but when you're then in the moment either in the studio or you, you know you're out on the football pitch or whatever you something where you have to be in the moment, you have to concentrate on the thing you're doing. Or it could be, I know people have part like painting, stuff like that, but you have to be in the moment. That, I think we all need these things to take us away from the madness of what goes on outside. Otherwise you just, you just go, you just go mad, can not you? And to have a, and to have like a collective in the moment experience. Yeah. That's why I love theatre. Phones yeah. are off, hopefully, hopefully, they should be. Um, <laughs> They should be, and then we're um, and then we're all in the moment together. And to do that with like, yeah, you know, four of your mates and or however many are in the band or a football team or whatever, yeah, you to be in that moment and forget about the outside anxieties. Yeah, I complete, I completely agree. It's 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 where it, the the point we all want to be at, really, isn't it? We want to find that moment. I think. Yeah, it's magic. It's magic. It's where magic happens. I think. Have you always been musical then? Um, so, so my, my play, like I've always, we had a musical house, like granddad and tradition of sort of, you know, every gal I get together, there's a, there's a load of us and there'll be, there'll be Sinatra and Andy Williams and Nat King Cole and people getting up and singing, whether the 
rest of the people in the pub want to hear you. <laughs> Love it. There's that within our family. Um, and and kind of like weird rumors that go around saying that my granddad was nearly offered a record deal and all this stuff. But no, I think that's just nonsense. But he gigged with Ken Dodd. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, who didn't? I mean, <laughs> he was confirmed long enough. Ken, Ken Dodd's the dog's dad's dead or whatever. <laughs> they, yeah, so that was going around. So it was a musical house and my, my brothers, I've got the two older brothers, you know, a massive music. Like, they just love their music, love it. Nothing, they don't work in music at all, but just love their music. So yeah, um, and then me, me getting into singing kind of came from doing a couple of musicals and then stumbling into a band before drama school uh, and we, we, you know, we had some relative like good times with that band. But then when I went to drama school and did acting, I, I left it all behind, but always kept up songwriting. So I've always, like, I don't play really at all very well on guitar or piano, just enough for chords. But my predominant like writing of music has always happened. And then myself and my Norwegian mate from school, uh, Webbo, who's our guitarist for Gustafsson, we've stayed in touch for years and we just, we got back into it recently and then, and then, yeah. And then back in the studio uh, just last year. And so it's, so I've always done it, but it's been, um, yeah, it's been, there's been gaps in between where I've just carried on writing lyrics and, and not actually performing. Webbo is such a football nickname. Webbo. <laughs> Webbo is really his football nickname. Yeah, Webbo. Webbo on the right wing. <laughs> doesn't track doesn't doesn't track his fullback back definitely lazy lazy <laughs> thinking about going forward Weber. classic webbo yeah. gets, gets his guitar out at the game after the game <laughs> yeah he brought that with him <laughs> i totally get that like uh, music's like that for me actually like it's uh, i could never not do it but like i'm not always you know um we go months without like getting in a room and and writing together or anything but I would be so depressed if I didn't have it in my life somewhere, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, my guitar is next to me here. Like I, if I'm, as if there's a moment where I'm like feeling a bit, no, I just grab it, play, play a few riffs, put it back on the wall and I feel better already. So I think like to not have it would be really, I'd, I think I'd, I'd, I, it would really depress me to not have it in my yeah. life. So even yeah. like you say, even if you're not like kind of doing it all the time, just to have it, sort of rumbling along in the background if you're just writing or like lyrics yeah. or or coming up with melodies or whatever it might be it's just and i think yeah. yeah i think that distance is quite good as well you're talking mm. about have a bit of distance from it is quite nice as well because yeah i mean it's interesting thinking about i like, haven't done the ep thinking about doing an album it's like we've got a lot of stuff but some bands do get to a point where they make the first album and i call TV series sometimes the second album because people you know the second album is the difficult album because you've used all your material you've been working on for ages to make your to make your album and then and then to actually have to sit down and write new music with a timeline for a band is quite it's tough quite a difficult task yeah and it, and for it to have like deadlines and stuff attached so um yeah, it's nice to have a bit of distance and to let things happen in your life or to hear a story and write about that rather than having the deadline of doing it consistently. Yeah, I totally get that. I remember back in the um, early noughties, I had, was in a fairly a much more successful band than I'm in now, but 
yeah, there was that kind of when we had a like management and you, there's that pressure to like get stuff out to A and R and all that sort of stuff. Oh, we need more stuff. We need new material. We need new material. And so you're in the studio all the time, and it does reflect on the material. You don't. Yeah you don't you're not producing as good stuff there might be the odd bit that's like but you know and you see that with bands you know when they're like fifth sixth album that they've done in successive years comes out and you're like mm, it's not quite as good <laughs> and they're like can you just do that you know can you do that thing you did with the first album? yeah exactly yeah <laughs> that, you know that upbeat song yeah why, why, why is your music so sad because yeah. <laughs> i'm sad okay yeah yeah because i've had to be in the studio every fucking year for like, like... <laughs> Um, rather unprofessionally, I've got to go in five minutes because I've got a meeting. I've started a full-time job recently, which is very un-me, but I've got a meeting in five minutes. But I want to ask you two questions. Firstly, I want to know who the Phil Neville of acting is. And I know you can't tell us on air, but oh, maybe so you can tell off, me off air. Off air, you'll get the Phil Neville, you'll get the Phil Neville of acting, yeah. <laughs> uh, secondly, I've just like you've been in some you've been in some massive shows and um and Midsummer Murders. Yeah, I mean, I mean, come on! It's a class. Everyone, everyone's got to be a bit of a murder. That's classic. Um, is there anything you want to be in? Is there anything I want to be in? Um, I think, I think I want to. I think going back to why, why I got it, I think I want to be in more things that are from where I'm from. You know, that speak about where I'm from. I want to. I want to see. Um, I want to see more dramas on TV that um, that reflect like working class people who are intellectual because they are. And, yeah, and yeah. you know, I, I look back at like Naked by Mike Lee. Oh, amazing! Yeah, Hewison. Like he he was he was a man who was fighting where he's from, but ultimately he the way he speaks is eloquent and um, there's that and. Yeah, and I and I think again to go back to the my other point is just to find more. There's nothing I really want to be in apart from if it's with people who I want to kind of yeah be be part of their tribe that that kind of thing where you trust them and they trust you and they you know and and the, the script and the Bible is brilliant but yeah definitely definitely stuff from where I'm from and intellectual northerners but mainly just more people who I want to add to that list of my my small tribe <laughs> would, would you would you write that would i write um if that sort of project wasn't you know yeah being yeah, developed I, yeah definitely i definitely want and, I, and i'm always i mean i have a little production company um that we started and we're well we're always looking for you know scripts and we have a couple of scripts that were, were, were you know we're out pitching but definitely yeah that is just it's just really important because you know, I'm not saying a lot of stuff that comes on TV um, uh, isn't isn't really um, pivotal to what people need to hear about, you know, but the, there is a lot of it that I do see a depiction of the victim and the, and the yeah. victim and the, and the murderer and the, and it's, you know, and that's always been the case. But I, I just love, I think there's a real big opportunity for, you know, for somebody to show a different side of, you know, of that of that coin basically yeah there's, yeah, there's yeah. a few tropes in tv i think aren't there that, that, oh, that we, we sort of fall into and we unfortunately live with tropes don't we we all yeah live, completely we all live with tropes it's a it's a trope world <laughs> <laughs> it's a tropey tropey world um, 
I've got to go. I'm so sorry. It's yeah, really Andrew, thank you so Can much. Andrew Gower on the blank podcast. What a top bloke who is more deserving of the intro we gave him and this outro we're probably about to give him as well. Um, but just what a lovely guy. So easy to talk to. Um, some lovely stuff about his career so far and and lots that we could I could apply football analogies to, which is always also good as well. Um, but yeah, just a lovely, lovely guy and um, fantastic actor as well. So really enjoyed his company. Apologies again to him and to our listeners that I had to cut it short a little bit because it felt very unfair. Um, and maybe we could do a part two with him. We know we, we, we talk a lot about, don't we, about getting people on for, I think if anyone's going to be top of our list for a part two, it would, it would, it would be Andrew. Um, maybe yeah. in person at some point. Yeah, that's, yeah, we need to do some in-person ones. Um, it, yeah, it was great. It was really lovely talking to him. And I think like straight off the bat, we were talking about, um, we got into talking about football and that was, that was, uh, it wasn't necessarily us like pushing that narrative. <laughs> well, we throw but we throw the bone out there and we we throw the boomerang out. We see what happens. You could tell straight away if someone wants to talk about football or not. And of course, my eyes light up. Yeah, like yeah. a striker is through on goal, and uh, I just I then can't help myself. But there were actually there were nice points later on in the pod where actually I was like, oh, actually that what he's talking about there are actually. And with someone who is into football, for like, actually, I can do this little mm. analogy. I think it will work and stuff. But I think when someone's on your wavelength and it comes to a passion like that. Yeah, there are always crossovers. Sense. I think there are always crossovers yeah. with these things. I think creativity and sport, there are lots of crossovers. I mean, there's lots of disciplines and things that, you know, and passions, obviously, that, that, that cross over with two things like that. So, um, yeah, they're always going to be. And, and I think with regards to, like, acting as well, when you... You're part of a, t- you know, a lot of creative pursuits are coll- collaborations. They're team efforts. You know, even if you're like writing a book or uh, if you're in a band, obviously in a band, that's that's a team. You know, you've all got your positions. Um, I'm doing football analogies on the <laughs> on the football analogies, um, but it's true. It's true. Like you know, so it's it's fair. I think it's fair comparison sometimes. So it's it's all good. Good. Okay. Good. I feel uh, I feel vindicated. <laughs> wait till we get next week's guest and I'll start ramming home football analogies and they don't care the ironic thing is when we have people that are actually associated with football on we don't talk about football at all we should actually we maybe should do some tweets about last week's guest which was of course Martin O'Neill oh we've got so many correspondence about that one yes this one's really resonated and obviously a football icon really 50 years in the game and uh, it was an absolute joy talking to him. I, I don't feel, really feel like we had to say much because he's just such a good speaker. He just, you know, we'd, we'd, we'd give him a little few breadcrumbs and he'd spin a whole story, multiple stories out of it, which is great. The highlight for me was him admitting that Steve Claridge shinned it in. Well, against, um, we've actually against got Palace. we've actually got a tweet about that. And it says Lee. It's from Lee Ayers, and he says, "I still need I still need I Claridge to admit it." <laughs> Lee is a big Palace fan and a follower of my other pod. And, and, and I'm wondering if now we try and get Steve Claridge on blank 
<laughs> yes. just so we can get him to admit that he shinned it in in 96. We've got one question for you, Steve. <laughs> and then you can go. <laughs> we'll start where everyone wants us to, at <laughs> the obvious. Because <laughs> I think Claridge tried to say it wasn't a shinner. Oh, anyway, sorry, I am again. Yeah, no, it's fine. Doing football chat. But um, yeah, we've had lots of really lovely correspondence from the um, the Martin O'Neill episode. Yeah, um, lots of, lots of I guess, fans of uh, teams he's managed. He's obviously in a lot of people's hearts. Um, yeah. uh, quite a few on Instagram as well. Lots of people sort of big heart, love hearts and stuff. And blue, blue hearts because obviously Leicester, a lot of Leicester, Leicester fans coming out. He's obviously very much still very fond of by the Leicester fans. And uh, we did a lot of stuff, good stuff there. Um, and I've got a Villa fan friend um scott so if scott's listening to this if he's got through to the end of the podcast and still listening scott's uh, not listening yeah well i'm gonna tell him to because uh uh he's a he, he's a villa fan and i i remember selling them we were getting martin o'neill on he was very excited about it um so he's obviously still listen to the, all the way an, an hour into this yeah scott you've got to listen all the way till <laughs> don't tell him where he's mentioned no no you've got to it's near it's nearer the end but it could be oh, near the beginning. <laughs> anyway, thank you to everyone. That's, I mean, I can see Margaret Payne on Twitter. Yes. Said great manager, loved his time at Leicester. Like, that's really resonated as well. So thanks to... Uh, yeah, it was a great episode. coming on. Christopher Burke as well, just, just on Twitter. Just had a listen. Top tier guest you got. Listening to the anecdotes of his career is a good prelude to reading the book. There you go. If we've yeah. helped with one sale, the book, then we've done our... <laughs> then we've, we've under-fulfilled our... <laughs> Oh, oh obligation! An apology to our patrons. I, I, I am really sleep deprived. I scheduled the Martin O'Neill pod for the wrong Monday, so it went up a few days late. Oh, Thank you, well. Catherine, for uh, pointing that out on Twitter. So I apologise. No worries. This one hopefully has gone up on the right day, but who knows? Yeah. So yeah, always apologies if we sort of like uh, diddle you out of your. Because uh... our patrons are supposed to get it. Early, early basically yeah. but they got it four days late however they did get extra content so that they still did exactly. get something extra um exactly that, yeah. not that i'm you know I'm, it's not that i'm not sorry i'm just saying you know <laughs> anyway if you want to get pods four days late join <laughs> patreon.com slash blank podcast and extra content you will get extra content. this week with and, ju- and you do yeah. get ad free content and, and you will well. get it most weeks when Jim's on the ball early. a day early. <laughs> Who knows this week? Maybe it'd be daily, maybe it'd be a month late. Who knows? That's just the... Or uh, at all. Knowledge or at all. I've got to go to bed in a bit, I think. So um, mm. I think I heard my daughter crying. So I think... You're back on GT. Anyway, thank you to Andrew for coming on. What a, what a top bloke. And let's hope Everton... Did they sat their manager? I think they sat their manager after we recorded... Mm. was it before can't remember no it was our anyway it, yeah but it, well they no we talked about a new manager that was coming in but i don't know if that's been confirmed yet oh but that's has it's i mean it's sean dodge but that hasn't been it has it been announced I'm not sure i don't think it's been announced. anyway <laughs> that's that's one to talk about and to andrew about giles good to see you <laughs> i'll see you next week this is a shambles i'm so sorry um i'll be better slept hopefully next week yeah um take it easy another dude. great guest thanks man um, with another great guest in the Blank Podcast. So it mm. just leaves, and you can do the sign-off, it just leaves us to say. Well, there's only one thing to say. Don't get cancelled. Bye.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is a Glass Box Media Podcast.